Good evening, everybody. It is not yet 8 p.m., but we are here and we are ready and excited to have another amazing conversation. Hope you're ready. Hope you have your pens out and your notebooks out. I always have mine out. I never show you, but I do. Um, and we're ready to have an awesome conversation. It's 8 o'clock, and that means we're ready to have another conversation. Yay! Welcome. Thank you for joining us on our next episode of Becoming Healers. And I'm so excited to be joined by some incredible ladies. We're going to share their insights about their experience of being clinicians in South African healthcare as we tackle the topic of going together. Um, as you can see, they are all around me, and I'd like to spend some time introducing them, but more importantly, more importantly, allowing them to introduce themselves. We have Apelele, who's a physiotherapist in private healthcare. We have Dr. Larato Masenya, who is a MO in psychiatry, and we have Anne Rodriguez, who's an occupational therapist in private as well. But they're going to take some time to introduce themselves, and then you'll set the scene and start this amazing conversation. Please introduce yourselves, ladies. Apelele. Hi guys, my name is Apelele. I am a physiotherapist. I've been in practice postgraduate for about close to three years now. Um, I'm working in a private practice um, at Wittstoner Gordon Medical Center, mainly dealing with um, critical care patients in intensive ICU. But my main uh, personal interest is with musculoskeletal conditions and outpatient practice. So yeah, I'm really excited to be part of this chat today. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. I'm very excited to have you. Um, next we have Larato Masenia. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Larato Sani Masenia. And um, as Larato said, I'm an MO in psychiatry currently. Um, I'm absolutely fascinated by the science of psychiatry, but also I enjoy the practice of being a healer within the mental health care space. Um, outside of work, I describe myself as a reader, a runner, and a traveler. But of course, COVID-19 has halted all of that. Um, but um, as one psychiatrist once said, um, what did she say? She said, um, flexibility is the hallmark of a healthy personality. So we're being flexible through the season and it's all good. Sure, that's incredible. Um, your resilience is amazing. Um, yeah, you said some powerful, powerful things already. I think exciting things. And please introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Anne. I'm an occupational therapist working in a private healthcare, um, private psych facility in Gauteng. Um, my caseload mo mostly consists of um, people who um, struggle with mood disorders, so depression, anxiety, bipolar. Um, so that's the area in which I work in mostly. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us in this conversation. And for those of you who just hopped on, welcome to this episode of Becoming Healers. Today we're talking going together. And just to set a bit of the scene, this conversation's aim and objective is really to um, use conversation to help us grow and enable a shared vision that we can create as healthcare workers amongst across disciplines. And more importantly, this is why it is an interdisciplinary conversation because going together is not something we can do um, in silos. And just to paint the picture, I want to remind us about why Becoming Healers started in the first place. We as an organization truly felt that there was something that was missing for healthcare workers. And that was a critical transition, a transition that takes us from not just the people who graduate on a stage with a degree that enables us to heal people at the bedside, but people who are able to step into the reality of their environments and heal beyond the patient. And that's why these conversations exist is because we acknowledge that we are healthcare workers in a healthcare sector that requires far more of us than we were able to acquire or gain through our university educations. And we need to become something further. And that's becoming healers. And in this idea of creating a shared vision, I often think of this, this picture that I often see and use while I'm at work of someone looking at a six and someone else looking at a nine. To move towards a shared vision, we need to appreciate perspectives. And today's conversation is really going to be to try and get ourselves to acknowledge our own perspectives, but then also to shape a perspective that can really build a future for South African healthcare for us as clinicians as a whole. 
And so to kick us off, um, you guys know, and if you've watched before, the conversations in Becoming Healers typically take on a structure. And our structure is to work through four R's that help us navigate through conversation to get to an endpoint. And the endpoint is to leave conversation, hoping that we can release ourselves and each other to become healers in a certain way. As you all know, season one's theme is forgiving South African healthcare. So in all these topics, we're really trying to unpack the struggles we're experiencing in an attempt to change a paradigm and shift our paradigm so we can move to towards a shared vision for today's conversation. So ladies, I'm about to kick us off with the first R, which is realizing. And the goal of this section is just to help us see where we are and know where you are and just set a, a bit of a context for everything. So my first question for each of you, as you realize where you are is, knowing what you know now about yourself and about the area of, of speciality you're in in clinical healthcare, would you allow your child one day to become a healthcare worker in this sector? If yes, why? If no, why not? Hapelele? Okay, so um, related to that question, uh, I would say I would allow my child to be in the sector if it is what she would like to do, he or she would like to do. I think growing up, especially black people, we actually were never given the option to think outside the science faculty. So a lot of us were actually pushed into being a doctor or an accountant or anything that had some sort of hierarchy in terms of education where we find that there are people, even people that we are working with, whether as ourselves, who are actually not enjoying what they're doing. And in the healthcare facility, you really have to have an enjoyment and passion for people, patients of people, and a manner of which you can work with people in a more equal, in a more equal sense of um, partnership. Um, so in, this, in, in that context, um, I would say that it requires um, the child themselves to really look at health sciences as a passion of theirs and not a goal to just achieve in order to get a title or in order to get into some sort of hierarchy. And once you understand that actually you are using this as a passion because you have a passion for people and about people, then you will actually bring about more change in this sector than what anybody else can. And that's the only way I can actually answer that question. Thank you so much. I think you mentioned something really important, which is passion. And I think here at YoungMD, we really also strive to get people to get convicted, um, which is, I think, part of the challenge facing us as clinicians is many, like you said, many people have chosen this as a career. You have to stick to your guns. But if you're not convicted, you really won't move forward in the right way. Lerato, how would you answer this question? Knowing what you know now, um, would you allow a child of yours to pursue a career in healthcare? Um, my answer to that question is definitely. And I'm saying definitely because of how I would answer that question myself now. Um, if you were to ask me, knowing what I know now, if I, would, um, if I could turn back the hands of time, would I still pursue um, a career in medicine? And the answer is definitely yes. Um, and that's because... I've often thought that if I wasn't a doctor, what else would I be? Um, and I don't have a lot of answers for that because being a health professional has exposed me um, to the fragility of human nature. Um, and it, it has also allowed me to sort of explore the philosophies of just being as well on top of practicing um, on the biological aspect of being human. So I think it has given me um, a broad but also integrated view of human life that I don't think I can get from the accounting, from the engineering, from anywhere else. Uh, and so for me, um, given my personality, given my, um, my upbringing, given who I am, it is a perfect fit for me. So if my child wanted to do it for whatever reason, it would be a definite yes. But of course, um, we get disillusioned along the way and we realize that it's not what we thought it was when we were younger. Would you please delve into that some more? Because I think that's also what I'm trying to understand. I'm actually quite surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm yet to meet a group of clinicians who are so sure. Before you do though, can I please give Amber the opportunity um, to answer the question? 
Um, I really do uh, really agree with what Apilele and Larato said. Um, for me, I would really encourage my children to be critical thinkers in terms of wanting to pursue a, a career in the medical health field because I do think a lot of the times it is this fantasy of Grey's Anatomy or Scrubs or um, where in the South African healthcare system, it really doesn't <laughs> look like that. Um, it is, it's tough. It is tough, but it's, a, it's dependent on personality. So do you have that resilience? Because I do think being in a medical field, you really have to have that resilience in personality and character, but as well as passion. If you don't have passion, your cup will run empty and then you will really start um, building resentment towards the healthcare system and maybe your career. So for me, I, it was a journey, but I would definitely encourage a conversation with my child, just being realistic in terms of what is their expectations. And if that passion overrides, then yes, go for it. Like knowing that there will be challenges, but being able to face it head on with passion. Thank you so much. It's so exciting to be in a room of people who aren't crushing dreams. <laughs> I say that so sincerely because I think oftentimes when I've, when I've encountered people who have to answer this question, it's quite an immediate no and it's refreshing to be in a room of people who are saying, actually, I would give my children the option. So I want to probe a little bit more because I do think there's, there's something Lerato and you guys touched on. Am I hearing you say it's everything you hope to be? And if it is not, what's missing? Um, definitely not everything that I hoped it would be. And, but also the fortunate thing about me is that when I wanted to pursue um, a career in medicine, I didn't really have a view of what it is, right? It was just a passion to help people. And that passion to help people was not defined, you know? Uh, fortunately, I didn't watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. I didn't watch a lot of House. I didn't have, um, you know, like, um, I didn't have this idealistic um, idea of what medicine was was like um, so I guess expectations also sort of um, determine how your, your disappointments you know um, in your experiences uh, but also having you know when you want to help people it doesn't really matter the, the circumstances within which you're thrown you want to use whatever resources that you have at hand to make a difference but I need to be honest in saying that the the journey especially through my comservias in particular when you realize the lack of resources um, and how limited you are as a health professional not only that but the illiteracy of the people that you are serving and becomes a, um, a stumbling block and becomes very frustrating and um, I was also one of those um, healthcare professionals where it's like I don't see myself in clinical medicine forever for that reason and I wanted to help people in a different in a different way maybe administrative medicine maybe branch out in what in some in some other way but I found the healthcare system the public healthcare in, um, system in South Africa severely inefficient amazing and I'll comment after I want to hear <laughs> your thoughts and Apelina as well Sure. I definitely. Yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Go on, Anne. Um, yeah, Lerato does touch on that, the expectation thing. Um, going into the, the healthcare system, some people do have that expectation. I had a chat once with one of um, the doctors, and he said, like, if anyone ever thought to become a doctor for the money, they should reconsider their whole life because studying medicine, the money will not be worth it. It's about the passion. And I think that relates to what I was talking about, the personality of being resilient. Because in, in our healthcare system, change is inevitable at any point, at all points. You have to be able to roll with the resistance. So, um, yeah, I think... It's very difficult. I think if you're a parent, you kind of have to like go with what your child's personality type is. But it's not doom and gloom. It's not the end of the world if your child wants to say, I want to become a healthcare practitioner. Like our country does need it. We need people full of passion and wanting to serve. 
Um, so yeah. Um, I definitely agree with what Lerato mentioned. Um, it's definitely not what I also had hoped it would be. I thought literally, and I remember there was one time I was a student in, at Helen Joseph, and then there was this one surgeon who would literally have his ward rounds were humongous. He would have the, the, the physios, the social workers, all the different types of doctors in there. Um, if he can't find the social worker, someone had to call the social worker in. And in my mind as a student, I thought, wow, this is what, you know, healthcare is. This is how you look after a patient. If we're moving from one patient to the next, we're actually moving together. And one person is actually talking about the patient. How are you treating the patient? How does the patient seem to you? What do you think we need to do in order to change this? And then reality kicked in when I moved out of that environment. And most specifically in the private sector. And I know Anne mentioned that um, if you want to be a doctor and you, you, you think you're going to make money, that's not the case. I have, I have to be big to differ with that because I feel like a lot of them do want to do it for the money and that's why they go into private practice and then the next thing it's no longer about the people it's no longer about the patient it's how many people it's a sausage factory now let's get through as many people as we can in order to make as much money as we can make and I think that's where we are losing the the, the plot and that's where actually and I will say in private practice because I have been in a few private practices where I felt like it, we're not treating the human being anymore. We are treating their pockets. And at the end of the day, that's how for me, I felt like this is not what I thought the environment would be for me. I thought it would, the main focus would be holistically treating the patient. And it has changed my whole entire perspective on how different environments can actually be not a patient but more about the the pockets and that and that that has been one of the most disappointing things in some aspects for me in the healthcare environment because i feel like if you are a healthcare prof professional the first thing that should come to your mind is humility passion and compassion for the people and that's it sure ladies thank you so much you took us you, you covered a lot and you said a lot, and I think I must celebrate your perspectives. I honestly must honor you for, for how you see your world and how you see your context and how you feel like there's still something to contribute into the space. And that looking into your future, you still think that there are generations who can come and engage in the space and learn something and become something. But I also think you hit on hard truths and managing expectations. And in this next part of the conversation, when we speak to reconciling, it's really about finding common ground and obviously our conversation today is going together so what you know you know framing for us as people who work in different disciplines but are trying to serve a healthcare sector I honestly don't see sense or experience a shared vision I don't know that we have a blanket statement or a blanket creed or a blanket something that we can hold on to where we can say as healthcare workers this is our common goal and I think part of that is is the complexity of our space in many ways we are called to serve patients. Our, our care is called patient-centered, but I think we know at the core of our beings it is not. It's centered a lot around the experiences of the healthcare workers or the politics or the, or the challenges facing our environments. So in this part of the conversation of going together, I'd like you to think across disciplines as you answer this question. Um, and the question is, what are the three pillars you believe need to exist in an, in an environment in a healthcare setting to make it enabling for clinicians. And, and this is really then looking to the vision of healthcare some of you shared you feel you don't have, you know, for you to have that multidisciplinary world round where everybody is in that space and is respected for the service they can offer. I mean, we've learned over these conversations that the multidisciplinary team is hugely valuable and it's underused as a resource in all clinical settings. So if you can answer that question for me and and just help us unpack for you, what are the three core pillars that would make a healthcare setting enabling for clinicians and enable them to become healers essentially in the space? 
Akelele? Um, communication. I think communication goes a very long way. Um, communication, whether it's between two, two people in the same sector, in the same um, sort of practice, and communication outside of that, referral systems, and properly functioning referral sy systems that are purposefully made for the patients and nobody else. Um, I think that's number one for me. The second one is um, also understanding the patient is not a piece of paper or a number. The patient has, is multifactorial. The patient is a human being. They've got feelings. They've got kids. They've got so many other divisions that form them as a human being. And I'm going to use this example. It's just one of the examples. So if you think of um, a patient admitted in a hospital, a single mother with five children who are all in, in school or varsity, the last thing I'm going to think about is, is try to finish off. I'm going to, it's, it's not going to sound good, but try to finish off as much medical aid that she has into her savings. You know, you think of the human being and try to treat the human being as a being themselves without trying to actually make them a number or, or fit them into a criteria where you're trying to benefit from them. Um, so that would be one of the, 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 the pillars. It's treating a human being as, as, as a person and not as a, as a guinea pig where you just want to try this test and that test to find out what's going to work out, um, communicating with multiple disciplines in order to treat the patient um, in the most holistic manner and in the most respectful manner possible. And also um, getting a family as well as the, the, the patient herself involved in their treatment. We find it quite often where the patient is not involved in their own treatment. And I think that is actually also almost like segregating them from what's happening from them. It's we are going to do A, B, C, D, and E with you without the proper education sometimes, without actually engaging the patient and seeing how much the patient understands about, let's say, the condition that they have, um, without getting, I'm sorry, without getting the patient engaging in what they feel like they would actually prefer in their own environment. Um, so I think engagement with the patient as though you are engaging with a colleague. I might not know more, but the patient might give me information that would help in, in assisting with her own treatment program. So I think engaging with the patient, engaging with, your, with other clinicians, and as well as treating the patient holistically and making it about uh, uh, a teamwork effort to get holistic management for a particular patient is what I would think are the pillars at the moment. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I think there's so many people on the, on the Facebook who are commenting just about some of the comments you made on private healthcare and just the need for a multidisciplinary team to anchor um, an entire healthcare experience, I guess, for a patient. Lerato, what for you are the three pillars that would make a healthcare sector enabling for a clinician? Um, so I would say, um, and I think I'm going to say a lot of what Apile has said, but in different words, um, efficiency is definitely one of them. And then the second one would be inclusiveness. And then the third one would be foresight. Um, when I'm talking about efficiency, I mean, there is no way that we will if, um, effectively and efficiently treat patients if we don't work together within a functional system um, that does what needs to be done within the set period of time, you know, um, utilizing resources wisely, not over, um, not over using resources and not under using resources as well, but just being overall efficient in our approach um, as, um, as clinicians um, and working together within this multidisciplinary team. 
And then the second thing is inclusiveness. And this is something that is uh, particularly important to me as a South African in post-democratic South Africa, um, where I sometimes feel that our healthcare system is not inclusive. Um, and I'm not even talking about as a professional, I'm talking to the patients that we serve. Um, so in, 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 in mental health, for instance, the bulk of my, my work is in interviewing patients, you know? So my diagnosis is made on conversation and I can't have a conversation with a patient if I don't know the language of that patient, you know? And so, and, and the thing about me is that I've worked in many parts of South Africa. I studied in, in the Western Cape and then I did my internship in KZN and then I did my ComServe in Limpopo and now I'm in the Northwest. So Kosa Isizulu, Chitsonga, Sipedi, Sitswana, Afrikaans, are languages that I've had to come in contact with. And I don't know um, many of them very well, but this experience has challenged me as a health professional to um, be inclusive for my patients, you know, to learn the language that they speak and not leave the onus on them to be able to communicate with me in my language. And I think that this is a big, 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 big problem within um, health space. We expect our patients to speak English um, with us, whereas, they don't, they can't. And I think a lot get lost, a lot of their issues gets lost in that process of them trying to translate themselves. You know, they're trying to translate their experiences and trying to translate their, their symptoms as well in a language that they don't use to express themselves. And I think that we, we can't have excuses as health professional that, I mean, I, 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 I can give you excuses and tell you that Shizonga is actually very difficult. It is. But I think that if we have stayed in a certain place for long enough we, and we could learn anatomy, in, med in medical school and all those complicated words, we should give ourselves some time to learn the languages of our, of our patients. Um, so that's inclusiveness. And then the third thing is foresight. And that's what I, so most of my work has been in the public sector. I've only worked in private for like a few months. And my, crit my critique for the public sector so far has been a lack of foresight, you know, a lack of planning for the future. And I think a lot um, of that is owed to the fact that we're still balancing and trying to repair a lot of damages that have, have been done um, previously that we don't really have time to look at the future and start planning for the fourth industrial revolution, um, start planning for, you know, things to come and advancing um, technology within the healthcare space, you know, because we're still trying to repair broken things that have been broken for years and years and years and years. So those are the three pillars, um, pillars for me. It'll be efficiency, inclusiveness and foresight. Wow, absolutely love that. And I think what you said also really ties in with what Epilele spoke about in terms of this patient journey. And I think the word you used, inclusiveness, is truly powerful. Um, I think it, it, it struck a nerve for me just to say that here on this journey of becoming healers, it's also about making sure that healthcare is not just um, something we do, but it's something that's experienced. Like people are experiencing getting healthy. And it's the little things that enable them to do that. It's knowing that when I'm speaking to my doctor, if I'm struggling to say this, I can burst out into the neck and we're going to cope. And I'm going to be understood. And, and sometimes the neck is the best way you can express yourself. And so I think it also challenges um, like what you're saying, design thinking around curriculums. Why are our curriculums structured in such a way that we find ourselves disempowered in the context of South African healthcare as clinicians? Those are things that need to change. And even speaking to how um, foresight, I mean, that was really powerful. Also speaking to some of the things that Apelle spoke about, just using experiences and learnings of the private sector to empower the public sector. And I think, again, it echoes this lack of synergy, this, this absence of a shared vision, because nobody's really sure where we're trying to go with this, because we're just trying to manage what's not working well right now. And that's what I'm really hoping this conversation will take us to is what does it look like when we go forward, as we go forward together. And your thoughts? Sure, powerful stuff being said here. Um, but you know, that just that um, efficiency, effect effectiveness in terms of our way going forward in terms of treatment, communication. Um, so there's a difference between the multidisciplinary team and a transdisciplinary team. With a multidisciplinary team, ooh, my data bundle is running out my language. Um, but with a multidisciplinary team, it's each person or healthcare professional uses their own, um, uh, what's the word, their own like 
uh, skill, their own skill set to be able to treat the patient and they work within that scope and they share it among the um, team. Where a transdisciplinary team is where a team works together and they come up with a shared goal for a patient to move forward. And I really do think in our context of South Africa, where our burden is so heavy that we do not have always necessarily the resource available to be able to treat each one individualistically. But if we can at least come to core fundamentals of what do we want when we discharge a patient, what are the, some of the things we as a team are working towards? Because sometimes I do feel there's a disconnect. And I think it um, ties in with what Apileles was saying about communication. It's heavy. There is, a, as a doctor, as a physio, as an OT, as a speechy, the workload is just a lot. And you're so struggling to just get through the day that we sometimes miss the point. So if we can come together, working together for our patients, for a common goal, I think that will really take already a burden off from our healthcare system in terms of us having to produce on an individualistic level. Um, so I do think that is really an accountability. I think that should be also one of the things that should stand up in our healthcare system is keeping one another accountable. Because again, it speaks to, we are so in terms of treatment, we are so focused in this individualistic sense that we, we miss each other. So if we can keep each other accountable and saying, okay, like this is not, this is not of good standard like this is not the standard of care we should be giving our patients how can we help one another or like you know what maybe you should work harder in a sense but keeping one another accountable and also i think one of the big things is tying also into what um, lerato was speaking about in terms of the inclusivity is speaking up for injustice I think as healthcare professionals, we can't say we are tired. Even though we are tired, we have to keep on fighting for the injustices within our healthcare system. That if resources are not there, saying that we need to get the resources, we need to fight for what our patients need, what we need as healthcare professionals as well. In the current climate, if that's PPE, we need to stand on what we deserve and our patients deserve and not be gr like grow weary or resentful towards the healthcare system. So yeah, that's basically where I'm going. Sure, you ladies have said a lot. And I think uh, for me, in terms of this conversation of going together, it's really triggered a lot of things because there's going to get at a micro level, which and almost summed up so beautifully in this context of a transdisciplinary team, but that this micro going together must be experienced at a macro level. And in some way, shape or form, there's a need for these transdisciplinary or multidisciplinary experience to have knock-on effects on how we encounter the system as a whole. And that's a hard thing and it's a big thing. And I think it's something that I personally don't know that I've heard almost like a shared vision for the macro, which is what we're going to be unpacking next week, just by the way. Um, but, but thank you so much for your insights and thank you so much for your honesty because I think you touched on things that currently aren't working well now and many of which we can take personal decisions to do better. If we take it upon ourselves to communicate better, that makes our teams better. If we introduce this concept of um, transdisciplinary teams, that means caring for the patient looks a little bit different. And, and, and I want to take us into the next part of the conversation, which is just re-educating ourselves about what going together would look like. Um, and I mean, this part of the conversation is about acknowledging much of what we did earlier on, which is that things aren't necessarily where they are, but we need to have foresight, plan for where we're trying to go. Um, and my question in that regard is, if you look at your context and if you look at the healthcare sector today, what do you think is currently working in your discipline that isn't well experienced or expressed in the sector as a whole or, or in the other interdisciplinary areas? Um, and, and why is it not being that well reflected? And I ask this question because I believe because we work in such siloed approaches, we may almost not see how other people are winning in other areas. For example, um, some hospitals have started using an app called Trello to manage ward work and to 
deal with issues of accountability, to make sure a consultant is fully aware of what his intern is doing from a workforce level. So, so what do you know that you use that you feel is missing in your context or vice versa that could create a more enabling environment for healthcare professionals? Sorry, um, just to clarify, you're asking what, are, what is missing in our profession and what's actually working in our profession. Absolutely. Okay. That could be shared. For example, physicians may do things that doctors don't. That could be shared mm. how they do their work. Okay. Um, one thing I can definitely speak on that I think is working in our discipline is research based health um, and sharing research within ourselves and also with uh, the multidisciplinary team. Um, we, we are so focused on working in our little bubbles. Um, the, the OTs are there, the physios are there, the speeches are there, the doctors are there, and then everyone is doing their own thing, but the research that we're finding is not integrated in the research that you are finding. So we are sitting with two, we can be sitting with two teams who are highly specialist in what they are doing, but they're not combining the research. So I think that's something that is working and not working at the same time. And to further explain that is that, um, for instance, in, in the environment that I am in, we actually do weekly journal clubs where we have a certain topic and then we discuss, um, we, we get sent um, um, multiple journals to read through for two weeks and then we'll sit down and we discuss on that certain let's just say shoulder pain we discuss on a certain modality to use in shoulder pain and I think that actually broadens your mind we we tend to be so focused in in a pedantic motion like you go in for instance I'm a, I'm a physio and I deal with musculoskeletal um, I assess you I mass I massage you <laughs> hate that word and then i'll put a hot pack on you and that's it that's the treatment modality for the rest of your life and now everybody around me knows a physio as a massage therapist because that's what you know and that's what you're stuck with and i think research allows you to open your mind to the current um, modalities that are used in any sort of environment and that current modality can also be applied with orthopedic surgeons so if i can then meet up with orthopedic surgeons who are busy with you know shoulder replacements or uh slap lesions or whatever else then they would actually understand that the procedure that they are doing can actually be benefited or even contraindicated in the type of physio that is expected later on um even with respiratory patients and the type of surgery that they're having um has sort of musculoskeletal dysfunction later on. And that's that sort of balance that I think as a team, as a team of physios, we understand what's going on, but we hardly have the opportunity to actually meet up with the surgeons who are actually performing the, 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 the procedures in order for them to understand that long-term, if you want to treat your patient to have full recovery, fine, now they don't, they've got a new liver, but think of the musculoskeletal um, deficiency that they have afterwards. And that's where I think we are, we are sort of, there's sort of like a disconnect between us because the surgeon comes in, gives you a new liver, and then bye-bye, you go. The patient has a new liver, but they've got a huge scar. It's not healing well. They've got back pain. Their core is messed up. And there hasn't been, they've done their research to see that a new liver will make you live an extra 10 years. My research is telling me that because of the um, pathology of the liver condition, you were able, you actually um, were, had certain dysfunctions that could actually affect quality of life even after your liver transplant. So this is just an example. And I think even though we are trying our best in our own disciplines to do the best and get the best level of care and the most research-based ev evidence that we can, we're not coming together in order to, as Anne mentioned, oh, sorry. Am I back? <laughs> and as Anne mentioned, we're actually not coming together in order to, to 
to actually speak upon on how each person can have a contribution towards the end goal for the patient. So um, if I have to summarize what I said, because I think I said a lot that didn't make any sense, I would say, <laughs> I would literally say that research-based evidence is what we are working towards and telehealth is actually one of it as uh, Lerato also mentioned because it's it's a very important part of the the revolution that we are going to and it needs to be very inclusive to everybody including people in the rural areas and we actually need to start planning now how to include them later okay um and also just just being able to work together and have an understanding of what each discipline does because we don't understand what what we do we really don't understand it no one knows if i can sit here i, I can't fully give you a, a a picture of what the ot is going to do and she has a plethora of what she can offer and the psychiatric um, doctor i'm not going to know what they do and i think if we are actually going to be together we need to actually understand what each discipline does so even our referral systems are going towards people who can have special interest in what you are working with and that's basically the pros and cons that i'm going to put in there thank you so much that was such a uh, a well-rounded answer, and I think you said things that are deeply meaningful and deeply powerful and echo just add sentiments of what it looks like to have like a transdisciplinary um, team. There's something I wanted to comment on that um, left my mind, but oh, I loved your comment on just the power of research. I mean, evidence-based medicine is what we drive, it's what we thrive on, it's what's celebrated, but I don't think I've ever appreciated that it's not like we're not connecting the dots. And that there's, there's so much value in making sure that this evidence synergizes itself to what we do to the patient at the end. Um, and I think that's absolutely powerful and deeply revolutionary and has it's part of the foresight, you know. As you, as you publish the paper for your inmate, would you go and ask the physio or the OT who you know could be a part of the management journey of what you're asking or the research question you're inquiring about to make sure the evidence we find is conclusive for the patient journey and not just for the research question you need to answer, which is deeply powerful. Thank you so much. Um, Lerato, let me just remind you of the question again. Um, what, what do you find in your context is working well that you don't think is well echoed in other contexts and vice versa? Um, okay. Um, the, the funny thing is that when you asked that question, my immediate thought was, wow, I don't really, uh, for a long time, I didn't really know, well, I mean, superficially, yes, but not appreciate the depth of what um, the allied health professionals do, you know, when you don't know enough to criticize or to add on um, to answer your question in full. Um, but I think what we are doing well as the medical team, the doctor team, is working together as a team within the, the, the medical team um, in, in treating the patient and understanding the limits, our own limits, you know, as, as, as clinicians. If a patient um, presents with something that is surgical, then I have to refer to someone else who is more skilled in that area of medicine. And when somebody else meets something that I'm more skilled in, then they the referral system, I think um, that's something that works um, very well within the, the medical team. Um, but also, the, then the downside of that is that this little mold of doctors then is not inclusive of um, the OT, the physio, the dietitian, the speech therapist, except, of course, if you're working in a mental health care institution where um, your approach, your management of a patient is literally a multidisciplinary team. Well, I've learned a new word today, transdisciplinary team. Um, <laughs> yes. So um, what we are doing well, I think, is working within the team of doctors and referring appropriately within that circle, within that team. What we're not doing very well is, um, fun we don't, I don't think we function very well as a transdisciplinary um, team. That's what I think. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think what I'm loving about this conversation is it's really echoing the value of the resource of Allied Health. Um, it's something that's not overemphasized enough. 
that we that we burden ourselves actually and, and burden the patient more by not engaging them earlier, by not engaging them in the treatment plan, um, and, and by not expecting them to have a role to play. Um, so that's been, I think, really, really powerful. And again, I agree with you, this idea of a transdisciplinary team. And, and I think in many ways as well, appreciate, I think one thing that exists that maybe also, just to add on your point, Lerato, doctors do well, is the levels of care. Like the fact that there's a scope, you know, the intern will not do the same thing that the consultant will do. And in many ways, that is also value adding, is to know that there's a progression. You can call on someone to be what you can't be. And it gives you an opportunity to grow in the space and evolve in the space. Um, but I think what we're challenging in these conversations is that that evolution cannot be purely clinical. Um, as we've heard, it needs to be making sure you evolve and leave CompServe fully prepared and knowing what the allied discipline does. And those are not things we're encouraged to know or to do well. Um, so I'm deeply inspired by that. And First, I also want to say that what doctors do well, from my opinion, is your resilience. If I had to face the things that you have to face every single day, it is a lot. So you also have a lot of resilience as medical practitioners. Um, as an occupational therapist, things that we are doing right, <laughs> um, I think, and I think that speaks to the heart of an OT, is we want to get that person back into the environment as functional as possible in all spheres of their life, not just being able to walk, but being able to dance or do the things that they used to love. So a lot of us, what um, we do at the end of our treatment programs is we do discharge planning. So we ask them, what is your barriers? What, what is your goals? How can we bridge that gap? So that is something that we really do look at in terms of our practice. Just, I think that also kind of wants to look at the fact of reducing readmission rates, of just making sure the patient has what they need. And if not, what resources is there available in the community to link them with? So. Um, I think that's what we are doing right. Um, things that we are struggling with, I think, is I think is a, a sense of frustration of having to always advocate for, and as an allied, always having to advocate what is our um, superpowers, if I can say it like that, um, that you become despondent in, in a way, and then you can lead to being individualistic. It's just like this negative cycle of, well, okay, well, then I'm just going to focus on my OT um, input or what I think is best for this patient. However, you, like you mentioned in the beginning, um, Lerato, about the six and the nine, where we, we, we are seeing different things about this patient. And from both sides, we're doing the best that we can, but together we can do better. And I think, again, it comes back to the transdisciplinary, that if we can work towards that, Really, it's going to lift this burden of, sure, I am tired. As a healthcare professional, I am tired. But if we go together, we go stronger. I absolutely love that. Like, I think for me, this conversation was revolutionized by that word, and because I think you're right. And, and I think it is the way to almost get us to see your six versus my nine. Because both perspectives matter. But we do need to come to a place where we can appreciate that there's value in knowing what you see and knowing what I see and then knowing what the patient is experiencing. And that's something that we really haven't, haven't seen happen well. And I must, I must also qualify that because I think um, in my weird little course through medicine, public health care and now in corporate, um, I've also seen that these conversations happen higher up. And I think part of the challenge and what makes us feel disconnected and despondent early on in our careers is we're not invited to those tables. You're not invited to the conversation where the Dean's Committee sits and plans about, you know, how the, the, the academic curriculum is going to come together. But there is a Dean's Committee and they are talking. But who's influencing the dialogue? It's not the experience of the person who's closest to that. So I think part of going together is also allowing this transdisciplinary idea to mean more seats at the table, 
to meet more people who are closest to the issues, to get invited to the conversation. You know, you should have um, a final year student um, at this conversation about how curriculum is formulated. You should have an intern at the Department of Health conversation about how internship is going to be run, because those are the people who know and can influence the dialogue so that it's constructive and can influence the outcomes so that it's constructive so that we start to build a healthcare sector. We feel like we're also a part of shaping. And I think it's part of, part of the millennial struggle is, you know, we're not the generation that feels like they just want to work. We want to feel like we're contributing. And, we're not, and when, we're not, when we're not offered those opportunities in a real sense, like almost like, for lack of a better term, this Black Lives Matter conversation where, where you don't feel like you're actually the pulse of the movement, um, there's, a, there's a sense of dissatisfaction that exists within us. And I think that's the struggle of our generation is really trying to plug ourselves in. Um, so thank you so much for your comments and for your truths. I think you shared so honestly and so powerfully. And I wrote all those things down, like efficiency, inclusiveness, foresight, communication, um, transdisciplinary team, because for me, that's, that's hugely valuable. And that is how we can begin to frame an interdisciplinary experience that, it, that is enabling for each clinician in the space. And almost, you know, as we prepare to close this conversation, I want to ask you guys, um, the last R is about releasing you. You know, you guys have all spoken so honestly about the fact that you, you feel like you're where you should be, that you feel like this is something anybody in a generation you find um, generation to come should engage, but that there are very real challenges and that there are new ways we can frame it um, so that it's experienced better. One of my favorite questions is, what is your hope for South African healthcare? Because I really think hope enables us to set the vision. So that's the question I'm going to ask you guys, but I want you to answer it looking at your six or your nine and trying to also encompass um, the other person's perspective. So if you could speak for us as a clinician group, not just for the physio, not just for the OT, not just for the doctor, what is your hope for South African healthcare? How do we make this a more enabling environment? Um, okay, so I will never go back with what Anne uh, kept emphasizing with regard to transdisciplinary. To me, that was my initial, that was the, when, I, when I first spoke about it and I mentioned Helen Joseph, that's literally the environment that made me excited about actually graduating and going out into the world and becoming a professional. So um, the fact that we can work together and have one goal for a certain case um, instead of different people working separately in one case, then as Anne actually emphasized, it releases the load of one person. And I have to say, and that load is most definitely on the doctors. The load is on the doctors to make the decision what the patient needs, make the decision in how far we can wean the patient off the vent, make the decision should the patient live or die. And I think that's why we have such a high number of doctors who are dealing with mental health issues because they have this constant burden. They've got this weight on their shoulders and it's almost as though everyone is expecting them to make the decision. And I think we need to actually try and move towards having a team make the decision. Now, it's no longer on you to actually pull the plug, but it's actually on the team as well, because what the team actually offers can give you multiple factors of what is possible and what's not possible with, the, with that certain case or with that certain patient. So I will, I, for me, that is literally the ideal goal um, for uh, the healthcare sector. Um, understanding um, on the side, what the burden that they're dealing with, the fatigue that they're are dealing with and not always so harsh to to judge and so harsh to um feel like because sometimes you are in such a burnout the decisions you make even yourself you don't even you don't even know or fully understand the decisions you're making as you go along because you're burnt out you're tired and nobody else gets to understand you because i'm sitting with a nine an eight or four you know, working hours and you are sitting with the two, two hour shifts. 
So it's just understanding each discipline and working together in order to, to fulfill a goal of releasing the tension of each other and not actually putting a burden and being like, okay, well, you are responsible for this. You are the one who actually needs to make the decision. And I can actually put in an, in, an input in order for you to also not to feel as though um, the burden's only on you. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything more I can add, but transdisciplinary, and you, you mentioned it in the best way possible. And for me, that, that's the future I would like for us to have. Thank you, Apelele. Narato? Um, I think to answer this question, I'll go back to the three pillars that um, we discussed, my three pillars that we discussed when we're talking about reconciling um, ourselves into the, um, the health sector. And my hope for, for the South African healthcare system would be one that is efficient, one that is inclusive, and one that has foresight. Um, so I, I would like a healthcare system where um, when a doctor um, walks into the consultation room, if that doctor is white, for instance, there isn't a pressure for the patient, if the patient is black, for instance, for them to speak in English or in Afrikaans. They can express themselves in the language of their comfort. Um, that's the South African system that I, I dream of, that I, that I see. Um, and also one that isn't focused on repairing the damages of the past, but that can move from the repairing stage into building. Um, because I don't think that we're building right now. We're still doing a lot of repairing. And um, a system that works as it should, you know, that has clearly defined outcomes um, and which the outcomes are measurable as well so that we can know when we're doing well and when we are not doing well so that there's room for improvement, measurable improvement um, to guide us in our practice. Because as clinicians, as scientists, we need to, as Apelel has said, practice evidence-based medicine. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And what is your hope for South Africa? Just want to make a small comment on what Apilele was saying about being able to then say what each person should do in the transdisciplinary team is then account accountability comes in. Then accountability can take root because we know what's expected from one another and we can help each other. But anyway to my hope for South Africa healthcare system, it would be, yeah, I think it would be for every healthcare professional to come back to the root of why we do what we do, to always remember that we are doing it out of a place of passion and love and serving our fellow South Africans, um, and that we can do this together, that we're not an island, that we are a team experiencing so many similar experiences, but we don't voice them as a collective. We internalize them as an individual. So, yeah, that our passion bring us into unity. Ladies, thank you so much for this conversation. My head is literally racing because I think this conversation for me really opened up again the complexity of this healthcare service and, and the difference between delivering healthcare and experiencing healthcare. You know, that that for the most part what we want as healthcare clinicians as clinicians is for people to experience health when they experience us delivering healthcare. But there's often so many stumbling blocks in the delivery phase that when it's translated into delivering healthcare, it's not one experiences that, you know, that patients might find challenges in communication that make it difficult for them to, to feel to feel heard or understood. Um, and I hear an invitation, I hear an invitation that I hope my colleagues would heed to say there is help in the allied space and there is an opportunity to, to collaborate in such a way that the burdens and the pressures that make it difficult for you as, as leaders in the clinician group, if I may say, um, that make it hard for you to stay in that space. There's an invitation for people to share that load with you. Thank you so much for sharing so openly and so vulnerably about what you think it looks like for us to go together. And I truly hope that in your separate spaces every day, you would be the force of change to drive for that experience, to drive for transdisciplinary teams to exist. Because I think the first 
the first part of the rebuilding is in us. So I was almost going to contend, contend you that I didn't say, I think it is. I think it's happening in small ways and in different places, not maybe in the large scale, but that most of the rebuilding that really needs to happen is first within us. We need to align ourselves to a vision that we can start to build and create. So thank you ladies so much for your time. This was an amazing conversation. Um, I want to close with just something that I feel is my hope, which is the founding phrase of the organization as a whole, which is we cannot possibly expect to assist people in their journeys towards healing if we are comfortable with the dysfunction of our service. And you all have echoed that so well in today's conversation. So thank you to everybody who joined us, who commented, who, who shared of their insights on, on the page. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for engaging us. We can't wait to join, for you to join us again in two weeks' time as we have our final conversation in the first season of Becoming Healers. Thank you all for your time. Good night and God bless.